Hello, beauties. Welcome to Rebels on Purpose, a truth-telling podcast where we explore what it means to live boldly with purpose, on purpose. Through real conversations, we anchor radical curiosity, awareness, and love as fundamental tenets of our lives. We commit to relentlessly calling ourselves and one another up through presence, openness, and saying what needs to be said. This show is our way of calling a modern day circle where we focus on freedom, truth, joy, and the celebration of being fully alive. Please join me, Lindsay Nazan, and my bestie, Jamie Matiasen, as we explore the fruits revealed to us through a devoted practice of soul inquiry as we journey towards our sacred responsibility. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the pod. Hi, James. Hey, Liz. Hey, everybody. We hope you have had a good couple of weeks. We are very excited today because today is the number 10, the last Niyama, the final tenant in this 10-week series that we feel like has taken an infinity to get to you all. (laughs) But we're very excited because if there is one tenant that you just that you just throw your all your cards in for, this is the one. And it's a fun topic. So we're here. We're excited to share with you about it. And it is a mouthful. Uh, the the words are Ishvara Pranidana, which is, is a kind of a confusing translation because the words don't really line up from Sanskrit to English in a way that's super literal or comprehensible to just translating. Uh, so Ishvara means God or supreme being or you could you could think of it as like your true self the highest self and then pranidana is fixing or to fix and so i think the idea is connecting to the divine right um affixing to god to walking with god to connecting to the highest version of ourselves but i love the the concept of surrender is kind of really the way that we translate it. And in Deb's book, that's really where she goes with it is this concept of offering the fruits of your actions or your actions themselves to up to the divine or up to give them to humanity. So it's like making an offering with your life, Mm -hmm. making an offering of your ego, even Mm -hmm. making an offering of your personality, that the structure that is you and surrendering to the rhythm and flow that life gives you. Yes. Yeah. So when I think about Ishvara Pranadana in a lived sense, it's about letting go of control. <laughs> Indeed. And so surrender in this sense, you know, when I think a lot of people think about it, when we think about meditating and even the way that I was taught a lot of times with meditation is like learning to let go and just relax, like leave it alone and, you know, kind of be passive. This practice is not passive. This is not a passive surrender. This is a a way of living in divine action. So taking courageous action, but without holding on to the outcomes, without having an expectation about the way it needs to go or holding on to how it should go or should it go. Um, And How's that working out for you? <laughs> yeah, still, pro- still work in progress. 
any day now. <laughs> any day now. <laughs> so I couldn't help myself because we we talk about it like this, but it's like it is probably the hardest thing that we actually have to practice. We Lindsay and I were chatting before we started recording, and it was like you know, if there's any of them, if you're going to pick one of them, this is the almighty, right? This is just go here, just go to the last one. If you're like, I don't got time to do 10, which one should I do? Try this one. Because we are, if you have, if you're on any spiritual path at all, this is going to come up. <laughs> the, the unattachment, the non-clinging, the, you know, not responding to desires and dislikes and all of the things that show up in our day to day. And, um, staying in the tension of that and relaxing and just letting it go. And, you know, we've, we've talked about letting it go a lot and letting it go is a result. I think now that we've talked these through of if I'm able to relax and be with whatever is happening in my life, if I can just take another breath, if I can try to slip into witness consciousness where I'm watching myself go through something. It's, you know, it's the, the me inside that's seeing the thing that's happening. Um, then I can, then there's a sense I can understand what letting go is. Otherwise letting go feels intangible in those moments. If you get too entwined in what's happening, it's like, well, I, I would love to let this go. I'm not packing this around because it's fun. It's, not fun and I'm too involved in it. And I love Michael Singer. I think he does a really good job of talking through this. I mean, it's the premise of most of his work of uh, to just like the things that are happening in the universe are not personal. It's our experience of it and our history of it that are making it personal. He's really helped me understand this tenant because I found it kind of esoteric at the beginning of like, cause I didn't have a strong sense of God. Yeah. It meant when I started. So I kind of pushed away against that. And this idea that it's not personal. I say that to myself a lot in the day, even in my relationship. This isn't personal. This is somebody's stuff banging up against my stuff. It's a moment in time. And I have a choice here. Mm. You know, actually, I have, a, I have a few choices. I think when you're wading through it of like, I can recognize that I'm being activated by this thing and it's bumping up against something in me that doesn't like it. And I can watch that go out or I can just drop it. If I have the skill, if I've had enough practice where I can just let it go, as we were saying, or I can react and I can get all wrapped up on all of it, you know, and I've <laughs> done all three of those in any, you know, given moment, those will happen. And this is happening all day, every day. So that's, in itself, it's a practice that we get, we get lots of experience with if we choose to show up for it, mm -hmm. um, or we get a lot of anguish if we choose not to. <laughs> yeah. There's a 12 step idea concept that I learned when I was doing some codependent stuff in there in the 12 step groups. And one of the concepts is living life on life's terms, like allowing life mm -hmm. to, to live through you on life's terms. Right. And you know, it goes hand in hand with this concept of like admitting that you're powerless. And while I find it very conflicting, that tenant in and of itself of like giving away your power over to a higher power, but the way it's worded is disempowering sometimes. Like it's really kind of weirdly a conundrum, but I mm -hmm. also understand the bigger picture because I've done some of this other work that I could really embrace that. Yes. And then move into this concept of allowing life to live through me 
instead of trying to direct my life. And don't get me wrong, I direct my life plenty or I attempt to direct my life plenty. And, you know, even just trying to think that life should be different than it is this, like all anything that takes me out of the contact with the moment is leaving this practice, abandoning this practice. And in fact, it's abandoning the divine life that is trying to live through me. Right. (laughs) And so James and I have been spending a lot of time uh, in the last couple of weeks talking about our why with the podcast, because we're back in grooving with the podcast and really excited to take it forward. And we've been really sitting and steeping in this work of where are we right now with this work? And a lot of what we've been coming to is this feeling that, you know, we've done so much spiritual work (laughs) and spirit is wonderful. And it is connecting us to nature and to this esoteric sense of life and ourselves and that we are that right this this union with nature and other beings but there's this other piece of the mysticism that connects us to our soul and that is a different level of communion with life there's like a different depth inside of that way of being where we actually feel like there is no other path than the one that we're on. Mm -hmm. If you can listen and engage with your life in this witnessing way, you can start to hear the call of the soul, right? And spirit sort of stirs it. It sort Mm -hmm. of wakes it up and gets it moving. And so where I find the difference with this practice, like you were saying, you know, if you've ever done any spiritual work or if you're a religious person, you grew up with God as a tenant in your life, this concept isn't going to be foreign. What is foreign about it, though, is the the openness, the open heartedness that lives inside of this tenant, the courage that lives inside the tenant, the opportunity to have a humility inside of it versus this dogmatic belief of God is all and I am I am in service to God. Not that that's wrong, but there are a lot of rigid structures that hold that pillar up. Mm-hmm. And when I feel like I'm moving into a soulful experience, even transcending a spiritual experience, there's a different level of responsibility that wakes up inside of me that feels connected to that higher calling or the calling of God. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. hundred percent. And I think, you know, the idea, cause we're really, we're really looking at this now. We've spent so many years of our life in the spirit realm, like really looking at the tools to help us recognize that we are not separate from that. Right. Ultimately that's, that's what these tenants are helping us see. Right but there is an individual unwrapping of what we're here to do within that and how these two things can come together so beautifully is if we recognize that life actually wants to come through and wants us to have contact with the moment, we just have to get out of the way. We have to, if we're too busy controlling everything, we're going to miss it. I tell my daughter this when going to university this year, I'm like, if you go in there thinking, you know, exactly what you want to be and you're 17 you're going to miss all of the beautiful things that are going to try to speak to you this year in your first semester. Like, just be curious, just stay open to all of the possibilities because when you stay open to those possibilities, your head will move in the direction, you know, your heart will get pulled somewhere. This is really the ultimate trust for me. It's like, when I'm in this place, I know I am in full trust 
of my life. I, I trust that I will have what I need. You know, when we were talking about, you know, growth and expansion in our lives, like I get really in this weird place of like trying to figure out how much do I actually need? (laughs) And I already have everything I need. (laughs) It's really challenging. I find this part of it really challenging because I'm very drawn to this idea that this tenant introduces this, like you have everything you need. It's right here. It's you are just need, you just need to see it. You just need to be in contact with it. You just need to be pushing the grocery cart through the grocery store and be there. There's nowhere else to be. So there's something that feels so liberating about that and also terrifying. And, and then there's this little voice in the back of my head going, well, that's not very realistic. <laughs> you know, the, the, well, how are you going to retire and pay your bills and yada, yada, you know, there, there is all of that going on at the same time. But if you look back in the history of your life, all of the things that you have worried about in the future that have never happened yet, how many of them actually happened the way your brain played them out? Not so many, I'm guessing, you know, that that's been my experience, but the mind will take us there. And then, and then we, then we lose it again. We're like all the opportunities, all these beautiful unfoldings of who we're supposed to be in the world and what we're here to do and share gets missed. And then we got to backtrack. If you're on the, if you're on this path, if this is, if this path is interesting to you, it really requires a deep level of trust and it's hard. It's, it's not an easy thing, but God, it feels so good when you just trust and you, and you let go and you just let it see where it goes and where it takes you things show up that you would have never imagined. That's been my experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I wrote down a cool quote about worry that uh, Corey Ten Boom wrote, which is that worry does not empty tomorrow of its sorrow. It empties today of its strength. Mm, let's heard that quote. Yeah. I thought just with what you were saying about, you know, how many times do we wake up and the, the thing that we were worrying or ruminating on has actually happened in the way that we, that we were worrying about it happening. And, you know, obviously there is some truth to what you think about, you bring about. So if you're spending all your time worrying about the worst case scenario, the worst case scenario becomes your reality. This is a cumulative possibility, like a cumulative effect that can occur in one's life on some level, energetically it builds whatever. Right. And so then there's the opposite of that, which is, well, you can deprogram that too. You can change the way that you think about things and bring about different things in your life. But this is the greatest question slash conundrum that you're talking about of, can we just trust that whatever it is we are doing in that moment is taking us to the right place? Even if it's a place of struggle, even if it's a place of trauma, even if it's a place of suffering or worry or rumination, we are moving through our life with the grace. We are moving through our life with the hand of a higher power that is offering us something. And if we can start to listen to it, if we can start to tap into it, if we can be curious about it, like you said, it will start to engage with us. Mm And then it kind of starts to crack the, the worry shield (laughs) or or the armor that we wear in our personality and our ego to try to protect ourselves from letting go, right? Like to hold on tighter, Mm -hmm. harder, and more rigid in these different ways. And so we get to do one or the other, like as life goes on, if we don't practice softening into the strength of, of a higher power or God or you know, a sense of divine consciousness or consciousness greater than us. If we don't 
connect to that or learn how to surrender to it, we get more negative. We get more biases of negativity that fill our brain. That's just the way the brain and the mind work. It's the negativity bias. It's how it's just a default pattern, but it isn't permanent. And so this is where the energetics come into play, right? Like you, you can, you can work with that and you can grow with that. And then your life can change in ways you never could have known. But the only way that happens is when we start to let go. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it reminds me of the chapter where she taught, where Deb talks about the trapeze, like you're mm-hmm. hanging on with to one bar and then you have to reach to the next bar, but you don't know if that bar is going to be there. And if it isn't, are you going to fall and die or like, you know, <laughs> land? Net? Are you going to make it? And honestly, that is what's being asked is this level of trust that life has us, that God has us, that, that higher, higher knowing will carry us through our life and that it's not wrong. At no point is it wrong. We're just right where we're supposed to be all the way through the journey, you know, and there's a desire in our culture for things to not be as they are. (laughs) Right. Like, I think you were saying yesterday when we were talking something like we have an obsession with making things be something different than what they are in our culture in the West. And that flies in the face of what we're talking about in a massive way. Right. Because what, what this is talking about, like the art, the art of letting go is literally the art of being with in contact with the moment as Mm -hmm. it is with all the feels, with all the, with all the experiences that that come with that as a human. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that moment is going to show you something about yourself. If, if you're, if you're paying attention and it's, it's generally when we look at these undercurrents of like anxiety or stress or whatever it is that's there, it's generally fear. We're afraid of something. We're afraid of, you know, from our samskara. So all those imprints that we have, those, those wounds in us that haven't gone through the full cycle. And so there, there's something that's being activated in that, or we're afraid of what's going to happen if we let go. There's a, we're afraid of having enough, you know, the, the fear, if we can start to really look at our relationship with that emotion, I think a lot of things change. They have in my experience going through this of really understanding the stories that I overlay when I really pull all of those things back it is fear. There's some level of being afraid of something. And that makes me think that I'm living in the future then, because I actually don't know how these things are going to pan out. I don't know that this moment, whatever, you know, the molecules that are flying through my life right now that have nothing to do with me, really, how they're going to impact me. I don't know what that's going to look like tomorrow or in the next 10 minutes. I don't know what's going to happen. We could be hit by meteorite. Like I, it, it doesn't make sense to try to write those stories all the way through, but we do it nonstop. Every time we go there, we are, we have now lost contact. There is a million opportunities a day to come back to this practice and we will always go away. That's just the factual facts. There are so many distractions around us that are going to pull us from being in the moment. It's, I was thinking about this sound like, well, it's so weird that humans are wired this way. And then we're given this experience but our, our biology and our neurology makes it so damn hard. Like it's almost like they're in conflict with one another. And I, I was thinking, I started to think about aliens and stuff and then I, I stopped myself, but I was like, I wonder if like, 
if this, what this is, like, why is this so hard for us to get? Why do we hang on when we know it causes suffering? Why do we do that to ourselves? I, I don't really know. I don't know what the answer is, honestly, but all I can keep coming back to is this. I'm afraid there's a level of something I'm afraid of in those moments that either losing control or I don't know, being hurt or wounded or whatever it is, but it fear seems to be the layer that's kind of driving that. Right. Yeah. We come back to this concept of you're either in the vibration of love or you're in the vibration of fear in our lives, right? That people, people reduce it down to those two uh, Mm -hmm. experiences or felt experiences of there's the energy of this or the energy of that. And I do think it's, it's complex, but that is a nice simple way to look at is like, are you feeling open in love? Are you feeling closed in fear? And you talked about expansion earlier and the growth that comes from that. And I think that that's such a way in with this tenant, as far as trying to create some practical steps for people to think, to consider this, because it's very difficult to get your head around. Well, how do I even do this? Like, do I need to go to church? No, you do not need to go to church. Um, is this idea of tension, right? Because it it is a paradox. Like you said, why is it so damn hard? Like we're designed for this. We're made from this, but yet why is it so hard to access this? Like really like as a human, uh, and you know, anything worth knowing in my life has shown me so much paradox and this is no exception. And so my way in and your way in, because we were just talking about this before we push record is this concept of contraction and expansion. So in your body, when you're in struggle, when you're in fear, or, you know, there's something that is trying to, you want to control, whether it's worry or or whatever, there is a level of contraction that happens. Mm -hmm. And when we are feeling open and trusting and connected and unified and in love, we typically feel expanded. Mm-hmm. So it's such a, it's such a great barometer to kind of connect into that somatic experience. And I think that's why we do so much work leading up to this tenant of the, the body practice. That's why asana is a thing, right? In yoga. And it's not because we're trying to get somewhere with yoga practice, <laughs> It's because we're actually practicing this. We're practicing the presence of letting go of control, of having a narrative that is pushing around our personality or our personality is pushing around our body or our body is pushing around our environment, right? Like it's something always pushing, pulling on us or we are pushing, pulling on the the, the life that we're, that we're being given. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I just, I think that, it's helpful to can to offer to the listeners like a way in is to just sit with yourself in in a situation any old situation will do it happens a thousand times a day the opportunity for awareness i mean we always come back to awareness of do i feel expanded or contracted right now and if me saying that you're like well i don't even know what the hell that feels like well that's a great place to start is to ask yourself what does expansion look and feel like and what does contraction look and feel like cuz i guarantee you know I guarantee mm-hmm. you can tell in so- when someone else is expanded or contracted, you can tell what it's like. Yeah. I, I, I think the other, the other way of languaging that. So if that kind of language doesn't work for you, is like disturbance, follow the, the disturbance, whatever it is. So whatever that ripple is, is of like, I don't want to be here or I don't like this or whatever it is that is getting you revved up. Uh, like 
I think a really good example, I don't know, I feel like I have a lot of lessons to learn around road rage. Road rage is my teacher, my guru. <laughs> because no matter how much I get annoyed in my vehicle, it is not changing the reality of the situation. The person is not going to go faster or learn how to merge properly or enter whatever it is that has disturbed you in your vehicle. And then what's interesting is that I have the disturbance, right? So I'm pissed off in my car and I'm, I'm, you know, I've got somewhere to be or whatever, or they're just annoying me or whatever it is. I go outside of myself to solve the problem, but the problem is internal. The, the fixing that has to go, if there's any word that you want to use for this is I need to look at the internal landscape what inside of me is being disturbed? Because I am always going to get disturbed if I don't look at what that is. If I don't understand the ripple of that, it doesn't matter how many people cut you off in traffic. It doesn't matter if it rains or is sunny and you hate both of those things. None of those things matter because they are. That is just the truth of what's happening. The person in front of you is going 10 kilometers below the speed limit and there's not a damn thing you can do about it. Yeah. But we project it outward. It's like, well, if, if everyone just learned how to merge, how many times have we said this to one another on Boxer? People need to learn how to merge. That's not actually going to fix the disturbance within myself. Yeah. If everyone on the planet learned how to merge, something else is going to ping that disturbance. I need to look at what it is in the, in the landscape of my being that can't handle that, that's taking that personally, that's getting revved up about it. And that that's kind of how I work with this tenant it like with these really kind of easy specific things road rage is a great one we all anybody who has to drive a car in a city will understand this mm -hmm. um weather is another great one like people get really mad i live in a part of the world that gets a lot of snow and cold and people complain incessantly well you can complain all you want about the goddamn snow it's not going to change the fact that the snow is going to come so when you actually stop and think about that it's kind of crazy like, it's really crazy that we do this to ourselves. Like, how can mother nature cycle be wrong? Like, what are we even talking about here? So I stopped complaining about the weather. I really did. Whatever is coming is perfect. And so I think those are easy ways to practice. This is like, look at the thing that is really easy. It's in front of you every day and look at the thing that revs you up, whatever that is and spend some time getting to know how it feels in your body. Like you said, this, how to understand contraction or expansion or whatever, insert word, feeling of peace and calm, feeling of rage, whatever you want to label, it doesn't matter. It's, yeah. it's lack of presence and it's a ton of projection generally. Yeah. My I mean, I think, I think tension is a good barometer, right? If you feel whether the tension is emotional or the tension is physical, um, or the tension is somewhat psychological, like it, it is a sign that you're leaving the moment. <laughs> you might have already left the moment behind and, and something else is taking its place, whether that's uh, rage or the narrative about people not knowing how to merge, God damn it. Or, you know, <laughs> the worry that someone's going to hit you in, in the car, like whatever yep. it is, right. It's, but it's taking you away from from the truth of what is actually there, which is that you just have to slow down and honk your horn and flip the bird maybe, or whatever it is that you need to do. More than likely, it's take a few deep breaths. Yeah, that's right. That's like, right. It's the next step of this. Exactly. Feel the tension, feel the road rage, be with it. It's in the moment, it's right there. You, you, there's no point in trying to change that. It's already there, it already exists. 
Yeah. Can you just take a breath? I did it all the way home today. I was so proud of myself from class. Good for you. All the way there and all the way back. I was, I was, and you know, when you commute at rush hour, you get a special breed of human on the road. And I, I really, it felt so much better because I didn't, it didn't take me away from anything. I, and I didn't get that, that ripple of tension in my body or, I don't know the narrative. I find that when I leave into those things, when I go outside of myself that way, the narrative gets really loud and annoying. I can't just be there anymore. So it really helped me this morning to do that, to just, Oh, that person wants to go fast. Well, they can just go around me. I'm just going to hang out here. I don't need to change anything I'm doing. That's not my work. That's their work. (laughs) My work is stay right here. Just take care of myself take a breath. I had to take some breaths this morning while I was driving. I had to relax. I had to unclench, you know? That's, that's great. That's such an amazing example, James. I'm so glad you brought up the road rage thing. I, because it's also not helpful or our work or business to try to change the other person's behavior, no matter how nope. idiotic we might think it is what they're doing or dangerous or whatever. I'm not saying that there isn't a place to intervene in situations that are dangerous, but I am saying that, you know, your need to let them know that you're dissatisfied with their driving. (laughs) (laughs) Jamie is howling right now. That need is a distraction. It is a distraction that pulls you completely outside yourself. It takes you away from God. It takes you away from the present moment and it keeps you in a, a prison. It keeps you in tension. It keeps you in this contracted state which is why the first thing anyone will tell you, this is why people, when they see that you're pissed, they're like, just take a breath and relax. And you're like, fuck you. Stop. (laughs) (laughs) This is why we say this because truly that is the only way back. It's true. So annoying sometimes though. (laughs) So annoying. (laughs) Just want to be mad. Well, and the, the, the truth of the matter is, is the outside world is going to keep moving. Yeah. It's, I mean, if it stops, that means you're probably at the end of your road, you know, that the world is going to continue to move. There is going to be a movement of beings and particles and light and dark and things going by all your live long days. You're never going to change that. No amount of control is going to be able to harness that in so that you can um, follow through with your agenda for your life. You know, it's actually quite ridiculous when you think about it. But it's really, it's prevalent in our culture. We really think we have control. And I think not to mention COVID again, but COVID really taught people this like ticking along. I got my, got got my to-go coffee. I'm going to my job. I got everything. I got the mortgage. I got my car. Kids are in school. And then bam, it's like, oh no, you're actually not allowed to leave your house now. And the the feelings that came up with that for, for some people, right? Like this was really a loss of control at, at in a really extreme way. Yeah. And it really showed a lack of adaptability in our species in the West. That's how I saw it. I just, it was really fascinating. It's like, this is where we're at right now. So we kind of have to be here, yeah. but it, it just was so hard for people to, to let go into that because there was a sense of losing control or perceived control. You actually didn't have control. And yeah. this just on a big old spotlight on that. And in my opinion, like, oh, that's yeah. 
that in so many cases. I did too. And I think you're right. I think it's such a macro example of the micro that we're talking about here that is in every moment of our lived experience day to day, this is an opportunity or this is a choice that we're making to hold on or to, or to surrender. Mm-hmm. And it was an in-your-face moment when COVID hit and showed us how how holding on we really are as a society. Yeah, and how uncomfortable that was and painful for people. Very. Yeah, very. And in a country like Canada, we were so fortunate. Like, I, I don't want to get into the politics of this, but we were paid to stay home. We had the privilege of being six feet apart from people to wash our hands. We had running water. Like, we had so much to work with, you know, that it, it, and yet it's still polarized our communities and our towns and our country that in, in really crazy ways. And it shows you how dangerous it is to live in that narrow, narrow corridor, thinking that you have control over your life because when shit goes off the rails and it will go off the rails, the disillusionment that happens is devastating for some people like absolutely devastating when oil and gas crashed here and people had two houses being built, you know, it was devastating because they had no skill around this tenant of relaxing into stress and tension when you feel it and really looking at the unfolding of your life because everybody was so busy doing right. And obtaining things. And I mean, we can go on and on about that, but it really is what happens when you think you have control of your life and you got a plan. Like the life is going to show you that um, it has other plans for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's the saying, right? Life is busy going on when you're busy making plans. Yeah. It's like, yeah. and then next thing you know, you're in your less breath and you don't know how you got there. Mm-hmm. And that's the greatest tragedy, right? That is the greatest tragedy. And that's why this work is so important. And even more so right now, because you said it, it's shit's going to hit the fan. This is not going to get easier. COVID is the, is the, Trump COVID, all these things that have happened in kind of the last five, six years. This is the beginning of more of this stuff, the extreme weather patterns, those, the food shortages, the water shortages. I don't want to be doomsday. Yeah. This is a reality that we have to start to look at. And if we can't, if we can't even live in our own body without getting off the rails, we cannot live in community, which is going to be the only way that we get through this because we are social creatures. So we better do this. We better we better look at this. We better look at our resistance to it, our lack of resilience to the truth that we actually aren't in control of the big picture. And if mm-hmm. aliens do exist, they're going to come do whatever they're going to do. And there's not a damn thing we can do about it <laughs> as much as the government would have us think otherwise. Um, so, you know, I think... W- when we look at it, it's like, well, what can we control? Because I think we have to have, there has to be something that we can circle back to. And one of the things is a, is breath. We can work with our breath. Like you were saying, so this morning you had a really nice experience driving home because you let yourself be in connection with your breathing. And the breath is kind of the easiest portal to God in a lot mm-hmm. of ways, right? It's it's or the easiest portal to spirit. It connects us to that otherworldly part of ourselves that seems to keep us alive. <laughs> and, yeah, it's it's an it's an a thing that happens naturally. It happens without us having to think about it or control it. Yeah. It's just yeah. there. 
Yeah. And that again is the paradox because we can control our breath and there's, I mean, pranayama literally means restrain the breath. It's breath control (laughs) and there's a place for it so that we can learn just like there's a place for yoga asana so that we can learn what it feels like to let go. So we can start to access the relationship with that otherworldly part, the spirit, the soul, the God sense of who we are and what we are, but it's not the point, right? <laughs> doing the yoga poses, doing the inhale, exhale longer. It though That's not the point in and of itself. It's yeah. what do you get on the other side? What comes through it? What does life give you in response yeah. and who do you become in the process? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yoga has all the tools and strategies that you need to start to practice this, right. To, to strip away all of these layers to get to the, the idea that we are that (laughs) it's not a short road, but it can be. (laughs) And to just be able, when you get to this tenant, to be able to just accept that this is what's happening. This is it. Like whether you like it or not, it's happening. And it's asking us to stay in the tension of those moments. And so, yes, the breath, like, I think, like you said, the breath is, is the easiest portal. And that's why we teach that in classes, right? That's why we learn that as yoga teachers, it's a way for us to be with ourselves. Mm -hmm. I think another way is to, to look at your reactions to things like we were talking about earlier, right? That, you know, you can, you say there's like three seconds difference between a reaction and a response or something like that. Mm. And it is very true that the idea that I can just, if I can just stay here for one more breath, if I can use my breath to really sink into the truth of this moment, and maybe I can stay for two more breaths and three more breaths as I get more traction around this, can I make a different decision and choice about how I'm going to be in contact with this moment? I can either, like you said, flip the bird and honk my horn, Or I can take a couple of breaths, relax, and know that no matter what reaction I fling out of my body into the world, it's not actually going to change anything. You know, all I've done is burn up my own energy. I've, you know, potentially ruined my morning. (laughs) Nobody did that for me. I chose that by reacting to an external thing. My environment inside was disturbed. I need to look at that piece. What is it inside of me that got disturbed? Maybe that's a better way to use your time in your car. (laughs) Win some, you lose some. I probably won't do it every time, but I will practice because it was different. I was like, oh, look at the sunrise and the cars are whizzing by me (laughs) and I'm already doing a hundred. So I'm not going slow, but there was this moment of time where I was like, the world is just happening right here. Like, I don't need to be in a rush. I get to just be in this. I get to watch the sun coming up over here in the east. Like seven thirty in the morning, you know, the, there was something really steady about it that may it was an incentive enough for me to keep keep going with this. Mm-hmm. Really look at this because now I get to be in flow, and that is a core value for me. Is like how do I get to be in true relationship with my life and get to do the things that call to me? I have to get this shit sorted first, yeah. Yeah. or I have to be working on it simultaneously. And talking about it and being witnessed in it and all the things. Yeah. You hit the nail on the head with the word flow. I think that is, it's a side theme of Ishvara Pranidana, right? Because, and it's, that's part of why it's such a hard practice because (laughs) flow is terrifying 
it's exhilarating and liberating and beautiful and just it's energizing. It's life-giving. It's a life-giving experience. And it has, there's no, there's nothing to hold on to. There's no net, no, no tethers and no net. It's just you floating in flow. And that's why it is a practice and it's a choice because it, it's like lifting weights. It takes effort and it takes resilience. And the more you do it, the more stamina you build around it and the more like reinforcing it becomes, Mm -hmm. but you have to give into the truth of it, the limitations that show up inside of it, the way you aren't able to flow with it and that you push back and you get pinged around and you just like, I'm not floating. I'm like riding the guardrail and (laughs) grinding horrible, you know? Um, so it's, it's truly finding an undefended way to live your life and to live a life undefended is a warrior's life. Like it truly is. Right. But we have been programmed and taught and indoctrinated that a warrior is strong and rigid and armored. So this, this really cuts at every narrative we've ever been taught. And so it's very hard to trust it. It's very hard to let it in and be vulnerable to it and think that it's the right path. And I think this also strikes at this concept of belonging, which is, you know, we fit in and we do things so that we fit in. But the truth is, is that belonging only matters within the only true belonging that we have is belonging to ourselves, which is also belonging to whatever higher source we connect to. And that is the only authentic belonging we will ever have in this life because we come in with it. We come in with our soul and we leave with our soul. That's the only thing we come and go with that's consistent. And we have the breath on the way in and we have the breath on the way out. So we've got spirit, we got soul, and then we got this human reality, which involves a personality and an ego structure that kind of, (laughs) so Swami Chetananda, he says, looking at this particular tenant, he says, let's not be particularly interested in our own personalities. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And I think that's, that's beautiful, right? It's not an easy practice. It's a beautiful one because if we're not concerned with our personality, we, we do sit and take in the sun while we sunrise, while we drive home, Mm -hmm. right? The personality is affected by the shitty drivers. The personality is affected by the, the inconsiderate way that that person cut you off. Yeah. So it's, it's finding the, well, yeah, it's an overlay of our belief system. Like and a judgment and it's it's very short-sighted and it's very narrow and it's the small self right it's the the part of us that's actually not very expansive in in its full right like I want to live in the upper sphere and when I think about (laughs) this tenant it's like oh this is the ultimate I if I can operate from this place like even 60% of the time by the time I check out I will feel so good. Like I know because I've had glimpses of this and I get more and more glimpses as I practice, but it just keeps coming back to how do I want to feel? How do I want to feel in my life? I don't want to feel shitty and angry at some person. I don't even know who I'm never going to see again. Like what a waste of my energy and output, like complete waste of my time and energy. And yet it's so easy to go there. It's just so easy. Like, I don't like this feeling, but, out there and put it on someone else. If I want to operate 
at a place where I live within the core values and the structure of how I want to feel in my life. And that's different for each of us. You need to sort that out. Then I have this motivation to continue to practice elevating my reactions and responses and taking responsibility for the things that flip me out and look at what that is. Take responsibility when I do cross over that line and then just work at doing better next time, you know, like a little bit, just a little bit, a lot, right? That's one of our, our little mantras in our team here. And that's enough. That's enough just to make that commitment. And for me to know that that's where I want to live from. I want to live up here, not down here in the, the reactions and the emotions and all the not self stuff, which is where most of us kind of tend to exist right in this world. So that's, it's not a t- short order. No, no, it isn't. Start with simple things. Yeah. Because I don't expect that everyone is going to know the parts that are personality and the parts that are spirit, right. Or soul. Like that takes, that takes a lot of discernment and a lifetime, you know, maybe not a whole lifetime, but it takes a period of time, practice and study and commitment. Anything Mm -hmm. having takes some effort and commitment and you do have to work at it. Um, and, but it's so worth it because the freedom that lives on the other side of our personalities, holding us back from our, from the life that is being lived, whether we're there for it or not, (laughs) is so worth it. Because then once you're there for it, just the, the, the wellspring of joy that comes back, the wellspring of love that comes back, the wellspring of just the present moment that comes back and gives itself wholly to you. Mm-hmm. is worth more than any dollar could ever buy a thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the richness that comes from committing to taking the time to look at this stuff, you know, to really seeing where you're at in your life right now, where do you want to be in your life? How do you want to feel in your life? And then committing, like you have to make a commitment to this work. It's not going to happen overnight. It's a practice, right? And it takes, it takes a long time. I'm not going to lie. It it takes a long time and it, it takes safe containers for people to see you because you can't really do this by yourself. You can do some of it by yourself, but you know, that is, it's, it just feels so worth it to me. When I think about how I used to live, I used to just live in this ball of tension and worry and all of these neuroses were kind of driving the bus for me when all I really had to do was just relax and I mean, when I say that, even when I think about myself in that moment, I'm like, I couldn't have, I couldn't have done it then. (laughs) And that's actually might be possible that that is a truth that I didn't have the capacity to live in that place, but I knew something wasn't working. And I knew that that was not sustainable. My body just told me it wasn't right. And so we, however we get on the spiritual path and it doesn't matter which spiritual path you get on. If you are looking at this stuff, you're on a spiritual path. That's just. And it doesn't have to have dogma and it doesn't have to have structure. It just has to have a willingness for you to live in the higher part of your being where you are elevating a little bit of your existence and making the most of your time here and moving towards what you're here to actually do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I love the idea of considering spirit is nature. If you, you could just like look at the trees and know that's spirit. That's, that's what you're moving towards is like the way that a tree breathes 
Mm-hmm. That anchors itself and is an undeniable pillar of, of strength and suppleness and legacy just by standing there as a tree, right? We can drink that in and recognize ourselves inside of that. And that that is a spiritual practice. And it doesn't have to be related to any God. It doesn't have to be related to any religious dogmatic ideal ideology at all. It doesn't have to be even related to yoga. It It's a p- very personal experience, but it is required. You have to connect with some sense of energetics, spiritual energetics, I think, to un- to be able to get your head around this tenant. It has to be bigger than you. It has to be bigger to- than this yeah. little life. Because at the end of the day, this is just a little life in a big blip of the universe. You know, we're, there's more to it. So, so it, yeah, just like you said, it has to be bigger. It has to be bigger. It has to be, nature is big. Nature is amazing. Go put your back up against a tree and watch a river move or... I heard Eckhart Eckhart Tolle say something really hilarious in a podcast that, you know, a bird doesn't sit on a tree when it's time to rest and think, oh, I'd really love to rest, but I can't stop thinking about all the things I have to do. And I was like, (laughs) so true though. Nature just moves. It just responds. It responds to the moment. If a bird needs to rest, it finds somewhere safe and it curls up and sleeps. You know, there's, but we, we have all of these neuroses running within us in our psyches that we're working with it's different it's harder for us i think but we are nature so somewhere along the line if we can start to sink into that and connect to that uh, it gets easier yeah see a part of ourselves reflected back yeah the reflection is such a beautiful practice and i think that's where the the getting over our personalities a little bit is piece of it like when you look at a tree it's like what is the personality of the tree you know there there's probably an essence of the tree some archetypes you can pull from but like personality there's no association that way it's it's just simpler than that it's there's more totality in it and so it's not about becoming like a nothing person. It's not about letting go of your personality quirks. That's not what we're saying, but it's, it's letting go of the identification with them as that is what you are in the world. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that makes such a huge difference. Um, yeah. Think about every time you're in a social setting, yeah. the way you shape and morph yourself. That's kind of what we're talking about. What would happen if the next social setting you went in and you just stood there? Mm-hmm just bead with it. (laughs) You bead with all the things that were happening around you, but you had this level of presence and awareness that you didn't actually have to pretend to be anything other than just there. You just needed to be there. Like how different. And I mean, that is, that is not an easy thing for a lot of us, right? It's like, I want to belong. I want to fit in. Like you were talking about earlier. I don't want to say something stupid. Like how many times have you gone out for one too many and woke up the next morning and beat yourself up about all the things you said and did the night before, you know, that is a waste of our time. (laughs) It's an absolute waste of a life and it's a waste of our time. And we have to kind of, we have to find a way to start to practice just being. So being with yourself in meditation, being with yourself in your car, being with your partner and maybe not having to say much, you know, like really getting a tone, a felt sense of how your body is without all the masks that we wear in, in our day. It's very vulnerable. It's very, it's very uncomfortable, or at least it was for me at first mm. to just be yeah, not hide behind a book. When I went to Sweden, I didn't for three days when I sat in nature, I didn't read. I didn't journal. I didn't do anything except feed myself and sit in nature. And man, 
that was a crazy feeling. That was a crazy feeling when the body would get uncomfortable of like, you should be doing something or, you know, stuff's coming up and I don't want to look at this. You know, it really is eye-opening when we strip that stuff away and we just learn to be with ourselves because we have to know that part of ourselves in order to do this part. I, I believe we have to know the things that push us over, the things that make us respond the way we respond, because letting go isn't going to happen until we have a, an, a really intimate relationship with those parts of ourselves yeah. that keep us from living in the moment. Yeah. And I think when you said earlier, I don't know that I could have done it back then, like that you could have relaxed back then. I do think that there's some real importance to what you said there. I think if we're really truly going to give to this tenant, the truth and credence it deserves, life is happening for you at all times in all spaces. And we are not in control of that life. We are being that life literally with every breath then we cannot argue with the past as the past. We are ready, ready, and it takes as long as it takes. And this is part of the the difficulty of being a seeker. The the word in and of itself lends itself to the future of like, I'm going to get here. I'm going to get there. I'm going to get to God. I'm going to get to enlightenment. I'm going to get to divinity. When the truth is, is it's right here. It's right here right now. And there's a whole bunch of shit in the way that is structured through our personality and our childhood and our trauma and our life experience that has filtered us to see a certain lens, a certain view of the world and ourselves Mm -hmm. outside of that world. And I agree. I, we have to be able to understand what makes us tick. We have to be able to notice it either before it happens or while it's happening or after it's happened. Yes. When we're learning, it goes in the reverse order. We notice it after it happens (laughs) maybe a couple of years after it happened. <laughs> yeah. Right. And then we're like, Oh, yeah. Oh shit. That's a thing that I do. And I've done 101 times since that time that I just realized. And then, yeah. right. You start to pull it back and then eventually you can capture it as you're doing it. And you're like, Oh my God, I'm, I'm in the pattern. I'm raging at the guy cutting me off and here. Yeah. It and here then we go. Yeah. And then, and then we can pull it back further. And, but this, the amount of stamina required and practice required to pull it back is, is, is something right. It requires a lot of resilience and it requires a level of support and privilege because we have to have the space and the, the support around us in our life and household and, and work and everything so that we can actually do that. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I'm, I don't want to say like, Oh, it's just available to everyone, although it is on a level, but There is privilege involved too. So I think it's important to mention, but I've been really looking at that, especially for myself with recognizing there's these parts that still are sticky. I've worked on this. So I'm so aware, like the awareness is there. It's not, it's not ignorant and it's still not changing, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's really easy to beat myself up and go into this place of like, dude, how do you still struggle with this? Like, you know, better, you know, better. (laughs) my spirit, my soul, my, my, um, consciousness has not yet shifted into knowing better, right. It's still circling and ruminating in that narrative on some level, even if it's just energetically in my cells, in my body, hasn't got, hasn't cleaned it up yet for whatever Mm -hmm. reason. And I'm learning to develop patience with that. And some some level of acceptance. I don't know that I'm at contentment, but like some level of acceptance that 
I am okay here. This is, this is the life I'm, I'm supposed to be living and this place that I'm supposed to be and the way that I'm supposed to feel, you know, like even just with the chronic pain that I deal with, there's a lot of association that I'm doing something wrong, that that's why that's there because I'm in the new age world where it's like, you can change your energy and be different and heal yourself. And yeah, great. I'm trying. I try out, I'm trying all the time and I will keep trying because I do believe in that in on a level, but I also am a human being with a human reality and a lens that puts me in my shit sometimes, you know? So yeah, I love that you brought that up. I just, I think it's really important, you know, to remember that this, this takes so much patience and you cannot throw out that very first tenant that we talked about. If you don't have some level of compassion and self-love when you're doing this, it's not going to get better, right? It will take longer and that's okay. If that's the way it's unfolding for you, then that's the way, but you have to remember that there has to be patience. Like you've been living in these patterns and these patterns have served you, right? That we generally, those hard, <laughs> hardwired patterns that we've been packing around for decades, they've served us to some point for some, for some reason, you know, I, even since I've known you, that pattern of locking down and armoring has just started to move in a significant way in the last year. And I've known you for 10 years, you know, like, and I do this work every single day. And, you know, last night going up the stairs after a, a tiny little bump up against my partner, I could feel it still there. And I'm, I'm really relate to what you were saying of like, shit, we're still here. Hey, like that, that armor is just, it's like a flicking of a switch. It's just ready. But like you said, as we practice more, I was actually with all of that as it was happening. It was still happening, but I didn't dissociate. I didn't go away. I stayed and I watched myself all the way through, even to the final conversation with my partner about what was going on and taking responsibility for my part. And, you know, all of those things, that is not easy. And that is not, that's new. That's very, very new for me. Like really like 12 months fresh. Yeah. And what it's shown me is it's worth it, you know, and I was able to let go after it was done. I was able to be done with it. There was no residue. I was just like, okay, this is another place for me to unpack this and work with this. And there's a lightness to that. There's a shedding that happens every time, even if it's just one scale <laughs> off the armor, you know, that is a, that's a surrender. That is a level of surrender that I didn't have the day before. And so these little tiny progresses that happen yeah. are, they're amazingly important. So don't underestimate those tiny little things, yeah. even the way you look at it. If it's different, it's different, period. It's just yeah. different. And that's enough. Yeah. And you know, the, the rarest gifts will come through surrender. I, I can share an example of what I, I've been through this last year with my dad. You know, I spent three decades plus angry and upset and feeling jilted by my father. And for all the reasons that don't need to be shared, because it's just the narrative that I associated with my parents splitting and the way that my dad handled it and how I felt about his actions mm -hmm. and how I felt that he should have behaved differently and that I deserve to be loved in this way. And he didn't love me the way I wanted and needed. And all of those narratives that I 
very much hung on to as honestly part of my identity, unknowingly as part of my identity for my whole childhood, you know, from nine onward and into my twenties and then into my thirties. And in the last year, year and a half, I have shifted into this new place with him. And that took six years of not talking to him at all. I had to, so this is where silence is an amazing stimulus for moving us towards the truth of who we are and the, the, the life we're here to really live the life that's living with us here. Mm. And so I took six, seven years and it was not, my dad didn't like that. He didn't want that, but I, that is what I needed. And I knew it without emotion. It wasn't an emotional choice. It was a necessity for my sense of self, for my healing, for my learning how to set boundaries. Like there were so many teachings inside of that choice for me. And it was a hard choice. It was a painful choice, very painful choice. It's, it still hurts to think about that, that I made that choice, but it was the right choice, right? This is where Satya is like, oh, truth isn't always, doesn't always feel good, but it's always true and right. You know, um, it's not always kind. Sometimes it's really fierce. And so, uh, this year I've come through and been gifted forgiveness. And I don't know what I thought I knew what forgiveness was. I have written so many forgiveness letters to my parents and my family members and all this stuff. I've done so much intellectual and somatic and emotional work around this. If you know me, you know this, like it's kind of been a pillar in my life, a massive pillar in my life. And it's guided all of my choices and all of my life decisions. And yet I thought I knew. And then this year, you know, I had a a reuniting with my dad, which was very casual and very like, I didn't make any effort. I just allowed the request to come through and they wanted to come here and they wanted to see my husband and I, and instead of pushing, I pushed a bit and then they called my bluff and I was like, oh, okay. And I saw them and we had an exchange and No, it wasn't the most intimate, deep, he's my dad and he loves me and it's so great. And we, you know, fairy tale. Mm -hmm. It was, it was nice and it was easy. And I stayed with myself every single breath of the experience that I was there. And I came out on the other side with forgiveness. And Mm -hmm. it still makes me emotional because I didn't. I couldn't have asked for that. I I wasn't asking for it. I wasn't even thinking about forgiveness. I was just like, all right, let's go do this and see what happens. I've done this a thousand times before and it's always been shit. So it, who knows, but I, I really went in with this different heart space and physical body and mental space around just be there, just be there and be yourself and do not let anyone take you out of being with yourself in that moment, being with your life and your beingness. And so we drank our mimosas and we ate our eggs bennies and we had a great lighthearted conversation. And my dad and my stepmom could not stop crying on and off the entire time we were together. And I was steady as a rock. You guys all know me. I cry a lot. (laughs) Like crying is a thing, but I just, it wasn't, it, I, there was no need for the tears in that moment because I was with it. I was, I had all the, I'd already felt all the feelings. 
I've already mm-hmm. done all the work, the work that they were sitting at the table doing and feeling into of the fucking 30 years that's been lost between us because of all of this shit. I've already felt that. And so I was just like, I'm just going to be with you right now. And then we left and Ari and I went home and I just felt this feeling of lightness. It was literally like this weight of poundage on my shoulders that just went away. And I, you know, I had this renewed sense of um, kindness towards my dad and my stepmom that I had never, I hadn't had, or I hadn't been connected to for a really long time, which is like, they're just humans too. And it's not perfect. And it, it might not be what I had hoped it would have been as a little girl, but it's not nothing. And they made an effort mm-hmm. and they showed up in a, in a very vulnerable way, mm-hmm. you know, and they put themselves out there after we'd had some pretty bad interactions yes. <laughs> that were not helpful or healthy for any of us. So, you know, I just, I don't know. I I'm, I'm sharing the example because this is what an unexpected gift of, of this practice can be, which is like, I was set free from a life identity of being a broken single parent kid from a broken family with a, with a parent who didn't love her with a parent who didn't show up. Like I went hyper independent, hyper vigilant. I lived such a certain way with a a level of tension always in my structure in any social setting, never felt safe because of that. And so this was one moment where it was like, oh, that scale is off the armor and it will never be there again. Doesn't mean that everything else is gone, but that one's gone, you know, and that forgiveness lives inside of my being now in a way that I can use on a daily basis. I use it for all kinds of things and it shows up in all kinds of things and situations where I, I would, I used to go tense and I used to get closed down in a way. And now I can stay open yeah, and stay with an experience, even a hard one. Yeah. That's an amazing example. Thanks for sharing that. That's very personal. Yeah. You walked that path for a long time. You did. Yeah, you, You really did. And there was no, you know, what I really noticed as your friend who's ready to to drop the gloves in these kind of situations is like that there was no harm to you for the first time. Like there was no harm, but that came from yourself first and foremost, you know, that comes back to exactly what we were just talking about. It's like, you have to take care of yourself in these situations. You have to be with yourself especially in something as loaded as this. I mean, this isn't going to be everybody's path for sure, but there's potential. Like you never thought that it would get to this place. No, I didn't. You had lost hope. Yep. Yeah, you'd really lost hope. And when we can kind of start to drop those agendas, I mean, it kind of just dropped on its own because you were like, well, I'm at the end of this. (laughs) I'm done, you know, putting output here that doesn't get received. And and then the magic of life unfolding brought him to your doorstep, essentially. And there was a million ways you could have responded. You could have not answered the phone. You could have not answered the door. Those all would have caused you some level of harm. Yeah. Especially if you wanted something different. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I always had wanted something different. I always, I, I've always wanted to be amicable, right? Yes. I'm not a fighter. That's not 
my nature is to not be at odds with somebody. So it was always, it, that was always there as a wound of like this lack of amicability, but I also kept self-sabotaging and betraying myself to try to be amicable and change who I was to be amicable. And that's what I had stopped doing was like, I'm not going to do that anymore. And you're right. The harm, the harm was because I kept on giving myself away to try to make it better. Right. And when I stopped doing that was when I had to stop seeing him for a while and engaging because I didn't have the skill to stay with myself yet. I tried. Mm-hmm. I went there. I was like, I'm going to do this. And I literally <laughs> trained and practiced for a year and was like, I'm ready. And I got there and I absolutely fell apart. And it was a very damaging experience for me. And then it was after that, that I took a step back for six years and then came back to it. And, and it was different. And it felt like the contraction that was, was not forgiving was just in me. And I couldn't, I couldn't undo it. I could, I, no matter how many letters I wrote and burned or praying or all the things that, that, that tension was there. And then I went for this breakfast and I came home and that tension was gone. And mm-hmm. I was, like, oh man, this is it. This is the work. It was sitting yeah. at the table. It wasn't telling him hard things and saying what was on my mind and needing him to <laughs> hear me. And I'm not saying there's not a place for that because there totally is. But me in this dynamic, it wasn't, that's not what was needed. It was like letting God be with me at the table and staying with God instead of staying, going and trying to sit next to my dad as -hmm. his daughter, as this version of me that he wanted, I perceived he wanted me to be Mm -hmm. right. And coming back to the belonging is like, I don't care if he thinks I am who I should be, or I belong to him as his daughter. No, I belong to me and I belong to God. I belong to what I had committed to in staying yeah. there. And yeah. it gave me back a gift. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it sure did. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a pretty potent life lesson. Oh, yeah. Yeah, hmm. lesson that keeps on giving. <laughs> yeah. Just feel like there's nothing left to say now for that. Like that's just <laughs> wraps it up yeah. on top because it is, it is what is possible when we, when we, when we lean into this a little bit and we, we make these concerted efforts to, um, to really learn what it means to have contact with the moment and not make it anything other than what it is. Just think about that. We all know how to do that. So if you're sitting there thinking like, well, I don't even know how to do that. That's just, that's preposterous. You do know how to do it because you've done it when you were a kid. Every every damn day, daisy chains in the field, cartwheels at the park. Hanging from trees. Hanging from trees. Like it's all, it's all in you, that ability. Yeah. 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 So think, I mean, that can be really helpful place to start of like, when did you feel free and in alignment with your life you know think of moments I for me being a mom there was kids force you to be present (laughs) like it or lump it (laughs) so sometimes you're present doing something fun or sometimes you're present doing something not fun but there's a level of demand there of being right there oh my god yes yes you bring up that's such a good point that is so important to make because you have to notice how annoyed you feel 
<laughs> Same with dogs, right? It's like dogs, especially puppies. It's like they, they require presence. They, you need to watch them. My dogs just poisoned themselves in the backyard the other day, eating something they shouldn't have because we weren't present with them in that moment. It's, and it's, you get annoyed because you are resisting that call. Yes. Right. So that's such a great place to start. Right. And sometimes it's legit. You're overwhelmed. You're exhausted. You got nothing left. So you're just like, ah, I'm done, you know, but that is, a, that is such a great place to, to start circling up. Yeah. And it's also the portal where I've experienced pure joy. I remember this, this very specific moment. I hope I never forget this. Like I can still feel this in my body sitting on our, our driveway with cans when she was about three and she was, she was, I don't know what we were, I, I'm pretty sure we were doing chalk drawings on the driveway, like nothing amazingly exciting. You know, we weren't, <laughs> we weren't at science world or it wasn't any, it was just mundane. It was just playing. We were just honestly just playing on the driveway. And I felt this level of presence in myself that I hadn't felt, I don't think ever in my life, honestly, like I just, I remember it was, it rushed through me like a wave of this feeling of ecstasy, like this feeling of like, whoa, what the hell was that? Like I had, I stopped, it took my breath away. And I thought that is what's possible to live in that place. I had this moment of like, it was fleeting because, you know, as soon as you try to grab onto those things, <laughs> they slip through your hands. But I remember this feeling of if I, if I stayed at this level of presence in everything I did, would I feel this level of ecstasy all the time? Is that, is that what the, is that what the woke ones felt? Is that, you know, the Dalai Lama and, you know, all, all of the great ones, Jesus, whoever, is this, this, is this where they lived? Is this the place where, you know, a, a garbage bag swirling in the wind takes your breath away or you know, just this absolute reverence for the movement of life in front of your eyeballs and to be able to have the privilege to witness it in all of its glory and all of its mess. And to know that if you can just stay with those moments all the way through, that this is what happens because it's not about good or bad moments. It's about just being there. Like what a privilege that is. And I've had those moments, but they've mostly come from being a mom, which makes me think <laughs> there's still another layer to uncover. You know, there's, how can I experience that in myself, in my own relationship with my life where, you know, being with ourselves, like we were talking about earlier of like, is that possible? Is that feeling is it possible? Cause I felt it and I don't know how to describe it other than how I described it, but it was big. It was, it was what I imagined enlightenment was or waking up. Like everything is bright and everything feels full. Like every cell in your body is awake and alive. Yeah. So those moments, we've all had moments like that, maybe not in the highest end of the spectrum, but you've had those moments in your life where you're like, I just want time to stand still like this is, this is it right here. Yeah. Wow. That's a beautiful share. That's just hitting the nail on the head. I think you're speaking to what is sacred that cannot yeah. be described. Right. And then this yeah, is so hard. 
It is. That's why it's so loaded because it's so easy to make it mean something else than what it is. Because when we try to intellectualize it, we just, we just wreck it. (laughs) Um, So aren't all the great things in the world indescribable, you know, really, you know, I can still, if I think about the best meal I ever had in my life was at the blue Nile in Montreal in like 2002. And I can't describe to you how good it was because I had to, it was an experience. It was being in contact with that moment of the whole experience and life has the potential. I really, I I believe that again. And I think I lost that for a while, but I'm starting, I'm starting to wake that up again because it's so easy to get bogged down in the mundane. It's so easy to feed the fear of scarcity and how am I going to pay my bills and all of those things. Those are all real things that are happening in front of us. But I wonder, I'm curious to know, can I, can I settle somewhere in the middle, you know, to start? Yeah, to start, right? That idea of enlightenment, that is something like it's a step-by-step ladder to this attainment. And then we're (laughs) up there, up on our tuffet for life. (laughs) I don't know that that was the intention of the books like the great books, right? Like the Bible and whatever Buddhist template, like all of these ideas of foundations of, of enlightenment, it really does make it aspirational, which is problematic because <laughs> then it's like, well, once we're there, we just stay there forever. And we're just like the Dalai Lama is, I don't know that it is better than the human experience. Like the more I live, the more I talk to people and the more I learn about life, the more I recognize that The only reason we know what enlightenment is, is because of the contrast of suffering. The only reason that we feel X is because we have felt Y. And so I don't know if it can operate in and of itself, you know, like it, it, maybe it is supposed to be that fleeting experience that we keep coming back to. And that's why we're called seekers. Maybe we're seekers because we keep coming back to that. We keep returning home to ourselves. We keep returning home to this experience of being that, which is. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I I agree. I mean, the thing is, is it tasted so damn good is that (laughs) I keep trying for that. You know, if that is a a potential for 10% of my life, Mm. 5% of my life, Mm. sign me up. I will keep doing this work. I'll keep digging in in my own crap. I will keep looking around all the corners. I'll keep pulling down the masks. I will keep falling down and getting back up. And it's interesting, like, this is another podcast we're going to do. I don't relate to the archetype of seeker. Mm. I relate to the archetype of wanderer. Mm. And you are the archetype of seeker. It's totally appropriate. So we're going to do that one day. Like that. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Because there is what, you know, that, that lived experience of however you're moving through this work, there's a million ways to do this work. Work We're kind of the yoga door, but we also have other doors that we use. Linz has dogs. I have other things. We use all of the things that are happening in our lives that we love and bring us joy. And we use those as spiritual tools to learn more about who we are in a relationship in the world. This doesn't have to be something separate from yourself. In fact, it has to be completely of yourself. You have to find some door that is really easy for you to open and unlatch. It has to be that way first. I think this book is a really great starter. Yeah, it is. It's the best starter. I love it. It's such an accessible way to be with ourselves, to start to learn about who we are and start to be with ourselves in all the glory and all the mess and the, the, you know, the in-betweens. Yes. 
Mm-hmm. And one of the things I love about this book is its ability to build amazingly authentic community when you do this in a group. So, you know, you don't need training to do this book, do it as a book club with your girlfriends or your partner, my partner. And I just started it by the way, this has been a dream of mine since I met this book. It's like one day, I hope I have a man in my life who wants to do this study. And then I was like, when he agreed, I was like, Oh shit. (laughs) Now I have to do this with my partner. (laughs) But this is all you need is the book. Just get the book, read the chapter and sit down with some people and talk about it. It really is an amazing portal to opening up these these pieces inside of ourselves. And the level of, oh yeah, me too, that comes from this book just makes you feel so connected, you know, and even in, in our differences, there's connection through this study. Oh yeah, huge. Yeah. James and I have taught this class, this 40 week practice many, many times over to many, many people. And from all walks of life, people, you know, oh, all yeah. Kinds of Amazing. People, yeah. And just, but the common thread is this coming together and recognizing our humanness and our spiritualness and the being that lives inside of that paradox yeah. and the relating this, just normalizing it and relating and just building that awareness. And, and all of those people have taken that awareness into their life and they're using oh, it yeah. in different ways. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's a human condition unpacked for 40 weeks is like all of these things that we struggle with, we bump up against, everybody is going through these things oh, in some God. form or another. Just mm-hmm. most people aren't looking at it. They just think life is hard and they've just got their head down in the grind or whatever, insert whatever addiction that numbs it out. When you start to do this book with someone or you or this study, something shifts in um, your awareness of, of who you are in the world. And even at the beginning, I think the first time I went through, I don't even, you know, I, there were so many moments of it being, oh God, this is just so hard. It's just like, I'm so broken. Everything is a big mess. You know, there was so much of that, but there was also some incentive because I would get a little crack of light through something that I thought was just who I was and always was going to be just that way, or didn't even have a, a conscious awareness that, that I was doing certain things. You know, it is really, really amazing. It's just, it's one of my all-time favorites and my cover is falling off and the pages are dog-eared and I will not give it up. (laughs) You should probably get a new one. I'm like, I can't, I tried. (laughs) It doesn't feel good in my hands. Speaking of letting go. (laughs) (laughs) So good. Yeah. Yeah. This has been amazing. I just, it's really re-engaged my love of this in yeah, just and like we said, we we live it. It's so integrated and it's we're embodied, but there's always another layer. You know, these conversations have shown so many things that I'd forgotten about or yeah. different level of awareness that I wasn't even linking back to the study, you know, just just through the conversation. It's been mm-hmm. really, really rich for me. Me too. I just being able to revisit them all in their own right and try to articulate the journey (laughs) has been difficult and so rewarding and just really beautiful in having this really gentle lens looking back on myself and you Mm -hmm. and what we've all been through who've done this work and just how far we've come and the recognition and the the humbleness of it and and the ongoing nature of it like I just feel like Mm -hmm. I'm in 
thick of Ishvara Pranadana in a new way now is, oh my gosh, you know, and being able to reflect on that example about my dad and recognizing what that came from, like where that gift actually came from. I didn't realize it until I read the chapter and I was like, oh, (laughs) oh, that's where it came from. Like surrender gave me this gift of forgiveness because I gave myself to surrender. And I think sometimes that's how this tenant really shows up is sometimes we're too exhausted to fight anymore. And the surrender just happens through that adversity or just like, I just don't want to do this anymore. So I'm, there's a, you know, maybe there's a level of resignation into that, but maybe it doesn't have to be resignation. Maybe it can be like, I have looked at this a million ways from Sunday and I'm just handing it over to God. Now I'm just handing it over to the divine. I have, I, there's nothing left for me to look at here right now. Yes. And that's really what you did. There was just nothing to do. So you handed it over, <laughs> you know, I was listening to um, one of Michael Singer's podcasts and he had a friend that said, get this, just, just really get this. If it's not one thing, it's going to be something else. <laughs> so, oh yeah, so, oh, that's so true. So don't think that if you just get rid of X, that everything is going to be hunky dory. It's there's always going to be something because that is how we are built you are not going to escape your, your psyche and your mind and all of these parts that make you the human that you are, but you definitely can cultivate a more meaningful relationship with those pieces without having to feel like you need to eradicate them and, or give up. Right. Hmm. Yes. As long as you're a thinker, you will have something making you tick. That's yeah. just the nature of the mind, right? How you can do this work, no matter how, who you are and how you are, like you really can do this. You and there's no wrong or right way. Like it's everyone, we get to do it our way. Yeah. I love meeting people who who pull pieces from different studies, you know, like this really helped me with this, understanding this part of myself. And, you know, I just, I went on a nature quest or whatever it is, like m- merging all of these amazing tools that we have at our fingertips, literally at the click of a button now to yeah. help us learn about who we are mm-hmm. and how we can have a little bit of peace. Just a slice. Just a moment. Okay. Anything else to say? We've circled all the way back to ahimsa, right? Nonviolence and compassion and the the warm gaze that we can turn towards ourselves when we're doing this work because it is really easy to be hard on ourselves. And I think at the end of the day, if we can just soften inside the strength of who we are, we can go a lot further, a lot faster. Yeah. Soften, relax, breathe, trust. Yeah, I agree. All right. Well, we're ready to wrap with our question. Jamie, are you ready for your question? I'm ready. You're ready. Okay. So this question is related to the practice because, well, we've done a 10-week series of this stuff. So I feel like we should wrap with a question that's relevant to this work. Uh, So my question is, we all when we're on this path as, as a spiritual being recognizing the the spirit and the humanity within our life, and we're doing the work and we're showing up to the moment and we're, you know, using whatever tools we use that help us with that. And then life kind of bowls us over and the mundane creeps in and we lose ourselves or we kind of get caught up in the rat race or, you know, you just, you just get swept away by the day-to-day life uh, current so my question is, how do you bring yourself back from that? What, what are your cues and what sort of tools do you use? Or 
what is the path that brings you back? That's a really good question. It's a really helpful question to know this. If you, I think if you know the answer to this question, you are in really good shape because I feel like I've only recent in recent years in the last maybe year ish have really come to understand this part of myself because I have a dissociative kind of quality to my going away. I kind of really leave the building, like really leave the building. I'm really hard to get to. We talked about this the other day. There's an aloofness to my checking out. That's really hard to tap into. So what happens for me now that I recognize, so the feeling in my body is numb. So I feel like um, there's no vitality in my structure and I stop moving literally. And for me, I have to move every day. I have to move every day or it's not a good scene for me. I have to move quite vigorously. I'm one of those kind of people who that's medicine for me, right? To get a good sweat every day, if, if not every day, but it's it's medicine. I, I take a lot. So that that is a feeling, there's a dullness. It's all my kapha stuff, right? It's like, <laughs> there's a dullness, there's a density, there's a lifelessness. And that's not normally how I like to move through the world. I have that in me for sure. I'm wired for that, but it gets out of balance. And I know I've kind of just, there's, you know, the lights are on, but are barely on, but nobody's really there. And I'm just going through the motions and I'm a workhorse. Clydesdale, I can do that all day, every day for months on end before I hit problems. So it, it's a pattern that is problematic. And so now that I know that it's very helpful that I don't have to suffer for as long. Um, there is a disengagement from people who I care most about in the world where I, I just kind of really disappear. Even if you're living with me, I'm not there with you. And there's a, there's a hardening in my, in my body. That's really even hard for me to penetrate. It's there's a, there's a stubbornness around it. There's a, a deep, thick shell. It's the only way I can really describe it. Uh, that's really impenetrable. And it's, it's quite, un it's quite uncomfortable for people who have to live with me when I'm in that place, because I kind of put out the, I could give two fucks about you right now, kind of vibes. It's, and I'm, I'm, I take up a lot of space. Lynn's can attest to this. So it's, it's a difficult thing. And so I don't want to hurt the people that I love anymore. Whereas I wasn't aware that how much damage that did. And now that I know better, I can really get myself out of that by just saying, Hey, I'm really in my shit. I just need, I need somebody to come get me. I, and I, I'm, that's when I'm, and I'm in a really bad place. Like if I've really gone away and I not, I, the, the missing link for me was that I was never able to ask. I did not have the capacity or the tools or the skills to say, to be that vulnerable because yeah. that's like death to me. So I think, does that answer the question? <laughs> that felt really dark and heavy, but that's a really, I mean, that is my deepest grooved pattern that I know I'm here to overcome because it's also my portal into my gifts mm -hmm. of learning what love is, right? It's like, where when I close that part of myself off, my heart is completely shut down, shut off, like not accessible and learning how to ask for somebody to just see me is so nourishing. It was so hard. That was the hardest thing, the hardest work of my life to this date. Learning how to do that, it still makes me uncomfortable thinking about it.
The other way is way worse (laughs) because I've cut off from everything. I put myself in isolation. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the antidote is you ask, you ask for help. Yeah. And it's usually not very eloquently. It's, it's kind of like, there's, there's a, there's a desperation. I'm still, I'm still finessing this part of it, you know, and it may never get (laughs) graceful. It may always just be a little bit clunky. It may always just be a little bit desperate, but I'm hopeful that I will be able to catch it before I get into that really heavy, dark place. Mm, Yeah. And I have been, I have improved that for sure. Oh my gosh. It's completely transformed this pattern in you and your willingness to be seen inside of it and to uproot yourself out of it with support. Like you never, ever could do it before you had to uproot yourself individually and independently. And now you, you uproot yourself with support. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you have to, that's like, you just, you have to cultivate these relationships in order, I think, to really reach a level of this work that is profound. Yeah. Yeah. Intimacy is (laughs) non-negotiable. God, it was so hard. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, not so much anymore. No, it's beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. It was really vulnerable and, and amazing. Um, Mm. Chuckling on the inside as I'm listening to you, because of course my answer is completely the opposite to your answer. <laughs> yep. I imagined it would be. <laughs> yeah. So like you were like, I completely stopped moving. And I was like, Oh, when it happens to me, I can't stop moving. And you're like, I get this density and this heaviness. I'm like, I turn into sparkles and rainbows. And I like fly away from myself and flutter off the balcony into nothingness. Like, the anxiety just takes me for a ride and I don't even know where I'm going. And it's completely out of balance. It's like being caffeinated times the thousand. And I usually do get caffeinated because that just fucking fuels the fire. So why the hell not? (laughs) Yeah. It's just like everything goes on speed on high, high speed. And the only antidote for me in that is to be still and to know myself and to come back to myself and once I do that, a li- even just a little bit, then I reach out and I tell someone about it. <laughs> I confess my my place in the world, which is like, I'm not okay. And I don't have my feet on the ground. And I really need you to help tether me because I can't get myself back. And, mm-hmm. and that's not necessarily true that I can't get myself back, but I need to be seen so that I can find my way to my feet being back on the ground and like someone to just sort of like help pull the hot air balloon back down or something like that. Yeah. And it is similar to you in that it's asking for help. It's a, it's a vulnerability practice of epic proportion because I feel stupid. I feel uh, out of control. I feel like I have a lack of discipline. I feel like, I don't know be- enough. I don't know better about it. Like, how did I get myself here again? And, you know, all of that. And it's, yeah. So it, it is um, very humbling to be able to be seen in my own imbalances and in the going away of, from myself. Right. Um, so the, the practices that I come to are rest first things first, I get, have to get more sleep. That is like modus operandi. Number one, um, I have to get more sleep. I have to eat more food. I have to, um, 
move less, whether that means like do less work, <laughs> it's usually about a work thing or do less social, like less talking, less being with other people and just like it literally hunker down. Sometimes I've had to just watch Netflix for a couple of days to literally yeah. bring my brain from a hundred miles an hour to 50 miles an hour. Like it just different types of coping, but it always leads me to, I need to reach out. I need to tell somebody about what's happening. And then I need a reflection back to slow it, slow down the train. And then that usually helps me come back to myself and and then, and then I can, and then I can get true inspiration again because I lose the real inspiration and it becomes this like chasing inspiration feeling, which is the, you know, the like desperate, it's the seeking, the addiction of seeking that comes through and it's not healthy versus this sort of healthy daily dose of being inspired by life around me or people around me or whatever I'm engaging in. That, yeah. I mean, I mean, the, the beautiful thing, like why our worlds collided so that we can, <laughs> I mean, there's many reasons, but because we can do this with one another, like we have these opposite ways of being in the world. And when you, ha- when you don't have something and you're with somebody who has it, you get to learn so much about that. Oh yeah. Like, I've learned so much about these patterns that you're talking about, about yourself that I don't, I don't necessarily relate to you know, the, the, the flying way. I never feel that way. <laughs> never. <laughs> um, and I mean, I guess that's not true. Anxiety kind of takes you away, but it's different for me. It's not, it's not the fast mind. It's, it's different. Right. But to learn how, who I am in the world can sit up against you when you're in those places and just, just be with you there, right? The same way you do for me when when I'm like, can you come help me, <laughs> come get me? And then you just arrive, like just the simple act of asking and then having some somebody arrive who can see that and not try to fix you or make you feel shittier than you already feel about yourself. And to just reflect back some things, ask some questions, you know, like that's usually, you know, you know how to help me there and I know how to help you there now. And yeah. that took so much time for us to learn that right about one another and it just reminds me that you know when you share that kind of thing that there's somebody in the world who's listening who's like oh my god I know what she's talking about you know I gotta find somebody who can who can support me in this because you can't get out of that by yourself it's really hard to get out of those things by yourself because you've left the building the presence is not really there anymore that real wholehearted presence yeah and you need somebody to, to see you in it. Yes. And that, I mean, that that's magic for you. That's medicine for you. Right. Oh, huge, huge. Yeah. And I mean, it, cause it's legit. You're, you're not even in the prefrontal cortex anymore. Like it's scientific, <laughs> like neurologically, you go into the reptile brain, you go into the amygdala, you go into the place where all the stories are true and factual facts and my feelings are real. And this is what's happening. And there is no way out except for something outside to help pull you through. And until you get skilled at bringing yourself through that, and there's a lot of ways to, to find that. But this is, for me, one of the big pieces is being very careful about who I tell because 100%. I just bleed that out and tell anyone who would listen because I was so des- desperate to be seen, but then I would get seen in a, in a, uh, not in a safe way. I didn't. Yeah. It would be exposing and then I would self-betray and it, woo, it, yeah, it would just 
I would just spin you out more, right? Because then you'd have to go into defending yourself or not being misunderstood, which is like a deep core thing for you, right? You have, yeah, these, when we're in these places, it's the front row at the table people (laughs) that are privy to this experience with you. It has to be safe because you already aren't safe. You already do not feel safe in that place. And the last thing you need is somebody throwing gasoline on that fire. Yeah. And it's good. I mean, all the practices that the yamas and niyamas take you through, get you to these, to uncovering what your patterns are because they're so unconscious in most of us, right? They're just, they become these ways of surviving. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's just, I mean, it's the game changer for me to understand this part of myself Mm -hmm. and then to be of service to the people I care the most about by being able to be with them when they're here as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's really important to me. Yeah. Me too. Thanks yeah. for sharing that. Great really. question. Yeah, Great. that was really cool. Awesome. All right. All right, friends. Well, that that wraps us up. 10-week series complete. Thanks for listening. Thanks for being with us for these 10 weeks. This is a lot to chew on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like 15 we just took- plus hours. A lot of, of philosophy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, stick around because we got a really cool podcast coming up in two weeks time and it's our first interview. So we're very (laughs) excited about this one and uh, yeah, we're just going to keep growing the direction of conversation. So keep in touch with us. And if there's topics that have come up from listening to these that you're like, oh, I really want them to talk about this, please tell us because we absolutely will do that. Yeah. All right. See you online. See you there. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. That's a wrap. We sure hope you've enjoyed this episode. Linz and I are committed to a no edit recording as we want the conversation to be as authentic as possible. We have a big vision of a transparent and fully expressed world and allowing ourselves to be heard uncensored feels integral to that pursuit. In addition, our mission is to wake up, shake up, and raise up all authentic voices in cultivating a collective community of rebels on purpose. We are honored to invite you to join the circle and to share your rebel voice in our community. Community is built and sustained through participation, so circle up and engage with us on Instagram at Rebels on Purpose. If you enjoyed the show today, please drop us a review as this helps us widen our circle and lets us know what you'd like to hear. And lastly, from our fiery hearts to yours, we call you to speak up, be curious, and call forward the sacred rebel that burns inside of you. What the world needs is humans who are fully alive, living a life on purpose, and honoring all that is sacred. Thanks for listening.